I know that agreeing with Pope Francis is a provocative title, but there is ground for agreement here that is at the heart of both the Pan-Amazonian Synod and the assassination of the John Paul II Institute for Marriage and the Family. And the grounds for agreement is this, that his program, whether it is in Amoris Laetitia or in his so-called reforms of the death penalty teaching of the church, are not compatible with the past of the church. And by the past, I mean the perennial, timeless, past, present, and yes, future teaching of the church. For the revolutionaries will fail in their attempts to impose a new religion on the church and on the world. But we can agree with Francis and his allies in that much, that this program being pushed cannot be reconciled with the historic faith. There is no hermeneutic of continuity, nor is there any point in giving ground to them. Traditional and conservative Catholics have made compromise after compromise, and it is time for that thinking to stop. No more compromises. This is a point made in Rorate Chaley, in a piece by Matei. It was sent to me by one of this channel's patrons, and I send my thanks to them publicly for sending it to me. Here's a lengthy quote from that article that makes the overall point, which is presented in the context of the assassination of the John Paul II Institute for Marriage and the Family. Quote, The exhortation, Amoris Laetitia, of March 19, 2016, had the clear aim of destroying Veritatis' splendor and the moral teachings of John Paul II, to replace it with a new moral paradigm. The professors at the John Paul II Institute, in the name of Veritatis' splendor, and of their personal story, should have stood up as one man against this attack on the Catholic morality, above all, after Pope Francis's refusal to receive the cardinal authors of the dubia in audience, and after the rescript of July 5, 2017, whereby the authentic interpretation of the papal document was that of the Argentine bishops. Pope Francis' intention was, and is, clear to everyone. None of the theologians of the Institute, however, signed the Correctio Filius de Heresibus Propagati of September 24, 2017, nor did they produce any document wherein Amoris Laetitia was subjected to severe criticism. On August 3rd, in an interview with La Verita, Monsignor Livio Molina presents himself as a victim of unjust purgation, asserting that he had been struck for interpreting Amoris Laetitia in the light of the Church's magisterium. The problem is that Amoris Laetitia cannot be interpreted in the light of the perennial magisterium, given that it proposes a new moral paradigm, irreconcilable with Veritatis' splendor. Pope Francis is convinced of it, and so are we. Perhaps even Monsignor Molina is convinced of it too, but he has never said so publicly. This silence did not avert his decapitation. Why be surprised? Hasn't the history of the French Revolution taught us anything? End quote. This piece begins by talking about the post-Vatican II struggle between the extremist revolutionaries on one side and the so-called moderate revolutionaries on the other, characterized by John Paul II and Benedict XVI. The moderate efforts at instituting a hermeneutic of continuity died with the resignation of Benedict XVI, though clearly most of the better prelates and priests haven't gotten the memo yet. Every revolution has its moments when the victors purge those within their movement, who wish to play nice with the old order. The John Paul II Institute's fate, or perhaps refounding, as Pope Francis called it in his 2017 motu proprio that announced what was coming, is one of the, of the next phase of the revolution really kicking in. 
doing to what the church has always taught about marriage and the family, the same thing the church did to the liturgy and its overall theology. The issue is that today there is no prelate standing up and being willing to face unjust excommunication for defending the faith, as there was earlier after the council. This is made clear by something C.C. Pecknold wrote in the Catholic Herald recently, and here's a quote that makes the point. Quote, in 2017, Pope Francis issued a motu proprio, Summa Familia Cura, essentially refounding and renaming the Pontifical Institute to accord with Amoris Laetitia. The Holy Father explicitly praised John Paul the Great's vision, which gave rise to the Institute, but said that the refounding was important for, quote, expanding the field of interest, both in terms of the new dimensions of the pastoral task and the ecclesial mission, as well as the development of human sciences and the anthropological culture in such a crucial field for the culture of life. End quote. In this way, Pope Francis hoped the Institute would be, quote, better known and appreciated in its fruitfulness and relevance. End quote. Now notice something here. There are apparently new dimensions of the pastoral task of marriage and family life that force the church to abandon the law of God regarding a marriage and the Eucharist. And then there's the use of human sciences, whatever anthropological culture is, that the church is now supposed to embrace. Remember when I said that those non-profit, non-governmental agencies that were promoting the Pan-Amazon Synod has some other goal? What I said their reasoning was there is the same here. They seek revolution in the church for money and to promote the sexual revolution. Period. They want the church to embrace the contraceptive mentality. There's a lot of money in promoting those things in the developing world. In the case of the Pan-Amazon Synod, this contraceptive mentality is something the German bishops have long since been the champions of, and given their turn to paganism in the Instrumentum Laboris, it isn't really that surprising. We see the same thing with the new Chancellor of the John Paul II Institute for Family Life, who has been a strident promoter of contraception within the church. That is who we are dealing with, and the implications shouldn't be lost on any of us. They certainly weren't lost on the students of the Institute, who threatened to leave the Institute if this attack persisted, and if the new direction of Amoris Laetitia were adopted. The letter outlines several grievances, including how the hermeneutic of continuity and the teachings of John Paul II with the Catholic faith are being threatened. The most fundamental point is that the JP2 Institute is going to be indistinguishable from a secular institution. Maybe now, just maybe, these students finally get it. That is the program, writ large, of the revolution. The opening of the windows of the church to the world has been a program of secularization of the church. Modernism is fundamentally an ideology that promotes a secular religion, where the faith becomes so personalized that dogma and doctrine cannot survive, especially when dogma and doctrine conflict with the values of the world. Thus we see in the case of the Institute for Marriage and the Family, the likely embracing of the secular norms for contraception, divorce, remarriage, all with Catholic trappings, enabled by a long-standing practice of the abuse of the annulment process and emboldened by this pontiff's environmental focus, which relies heavily on the logic of population control. We see that much in the work of the Pan-Amazon Synod. These issues are not separate in the slightest. What do we see there? A claim that the Amazon rainforest is a source of revelation, a call for an eco-theology, the influence of liberation theologians, and the call for a married priesthood and women's ordination. The enemies of Christ in the world all smile and nod at this, as it means a revolution has entered its logical next phase. The institution of the new paradigm on all parts of the church, with the purging of the old ways entirely. 
if that sounds dramatic, remember that communion in the hand, girl altar boys, and the embrace of a satanic political program under the guise of uh, the seamless garment theology was all done through the work of synods and given the stamp of approval by the Vatican itself. The Roraticelli article I mentioned earlier refers to Francis as the embodiment of the council, a point I have made elsewhere myself. None of this should be surprising to anyone, which is why I called this video Agreeing with Pope Francis, because Francis has made numerous statements that the traditions of the Church must give way for the new paradigm, that we must turn our backs on the traditions of the faith. Tradition is one of the legs the faith stands on, and it cannot be turned away from without causing grievous damage to the faithful and the life of faith in the Church. Francis admits that his program isn't compatible with the traditions of the Church, and in that we can probably all agree. But where does that leave the faithful? That leaves us in the awkward position of learning the faith as it was taught before the Revolution, as it was taught since the time of the Apostles, learning the, that faith, preserving it, and passing it on to others. Beyond that, I'm not sure where that leaves us, other than to live lives in the pursuit of sanctity and union with Christ. To live lives of purpose and meaning, to be salt and light in the world, and, sadly, in our parishes, where so much of the salt has lost its flavor. We must do that because the revolutionaries will fail in their task, for Christ has already said that the father of the revolutionaries will have his head crushed by Our Lady. And that moment is coming soon. So preserve the faith in your daily life, teach it to others, and be ready for whatever comes, so that after you can assist in the restoration of the faith if it happens in our lifetimes, a restoration that begins in the hearts, minds, and souls of every faithful believer in the church today. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.